can do that as well. Let me pray. Lord, we thank You for these incredible words of truth, Lord, that You are alive, that You are the living God, that You are here with us this morning by Your Holy Spirit, that You are a God who has drawn near, a God who speaks to us. And so we open our hearts to You now, Lord. And I know You each and every person here this morning, wherever we are on the journey, whatever circumstances we are facing, You, Lord, You want to speak into our hearts and our lives this morning. And so we commit this time to You now. Come, Holy Spirit. Speak, we pray in Jesus' Name. Amen. Please be seated. Well, it's so great to be sharing God's Word with you on our Thanksgiving Sunday. And we are continuing our series in 2 Corinthians that we have been in, Let Light Shine Out of Darkness. And today we're up to 2 Corinthians chapter 11 and then into chapter 12 as well. So you can turn there in your Bibles or on your devices so you can follow along with me as we look at this together. But this is the high point of all of 2 Corinthians. This is the center point of Paul's entire um, arguments and case and um, theological emphasis that he's making here in this book is right in this section we are going to look at today. And and uh, it's centered in chapter 12, verse 9. I'm just going to give it to you up front. I'm just going to tell you what it is, the real center point of this whole book of 2 Corinthians. We've been in for a number of weeks now, and it's uh, 2 Corinthians chapter 12, verse 9. It's these words, Jesus speaking to Paul. He says, My grace is sufficient for you, for my power is made perfect in weakness. Praise God for this truth. Praise God for the the revelation of this and the transformation it brings to our lives. But it's so contrary, this word, to to the emphasis of the world in which we live. And we have seen throughout this series that Corinth was an affluent city, a city that loved to showcase its success and its strength and its power and the achievements. This was what it was all about. And the false teachers here in Corinth Um, The super apostles, as Paul uh, talked about them or described them as, they were boasting, they were known to be boasting about their strength and their achievements and their power. In the ancient Greco-Roman world, this was expected. It would be expected that you would boast, boast about your strength and your power and your success and those achievements. And they thought nothing in the ancient Greco-Roman world, nothing about Praising yourself, praising yourself in public, and even better, if you could get others to praise you, that was even thought as even better again, if you could manage to achieve that. And people would actually catalogue their strengths and their achievements and their success publicly by listing them on bronze tablets or on stone tablets, and they would put them up out the front of their houses and put them in public places so that everyone could see how good they were, how successful they were. This was part of the culture, this honour and shame culture where you hid your weaknesses, but you put forward, you held up your success, your power, your strength. And this is what makes Paul's words here so upside down, so countercultural, so shocking to the people in Corinth. As he said this, this would have shocked their ears to hear it. But the reality is, is that Corinth is very similar to the Western culture in which we live today, isn't it? We still celebrate success and achievement and power. We still hold this up as the ideal. That's what we post about or blog about. That's what the media and advertisements promote to us. We, we want to lift up. We celebrate the lifting up of achievement, success, power. And on the other side, we want to hide our weaknesses so that people won't see them. 
I was reading recently about job interviews and the responses that people give when they ask that question in a job interview, tell me about your weaknesses. It's always an awkward question, isn't it, to answer, one that we dread having to respond to. But I discovered that there is a whole heap of advice out there on how to respond to this question in a job interview. And the technique behind it is to respond with a so-called weakness that is really a strength hidden in disguise. That's what they say to do. That's how you respond. So let me give you some examples. One person said, if you ask that question, this is how you should answer. You should say that your greatest weakness is that you are very task-oriented, that you see something that needs to be done, you just can't help, but you've got to do that task. And it's a real struggle. It's a real struggle for me. I'm working on it, but I um, just want to be upfront with you. That's my weakness. Another person said that um, you should answer this way, that my weakness, my greatest weakness is that I just work too hard. I'm just a workaholic. Uh, I, I find it really hard. I just love work so much. You know, I struggle to balance my leisure time and my work, but it's a struggle for me, but I'm working on that. That's another response you can give. Another person said that you should respond to that question with, with saying that your weakness is that I'm a perfectionist. I have to do everything to the highest standard. I just can't help myself. When I have something in front of me, I just have to put everything into it and make sure it is done really, really well. It's a weakness of mine, but I'm working on it. And if you employ me, I'm sure we can work that out together, that weakness. But that's our culture, isn't it? That's the culture in we, which we live. Just like Corinth, we put a lot of emphasis on our strengths, our abilities, our accomplishments, on self-reliance. We put a lot of emphasis on because that's what we value. And on the flip side of that, we want to hide Hide our weaknesses, hide our vulnerabilities. And what's so interesting here in this passage is that Paul flips this upside down. He boasts not about his strengths, but he boasts about his weaknesses. And that's unheard of for us today. You don't hear people going around boasting about their weaknesses. And it was even more unheard of in the Greco-Roman world into which Paul is speaking here. So begin with, in trying to expose these false teachers, Paul actually outlines the fact that he has plenty to boast about when it comes to strength and knowledge and spiritual experiences, the things that these false teachers were holding up as something that they valued, as something to be aspired to. And he does this so that when he boasts later on about his weaknesses, they can't say to him, well, of course you're going to boast about your weaknesses because you are a weak person. Of course you're going to do that. But instead, by highlighting his strengths based on their value system, and then by showing that he has come to realize that these strengths actually mean nothing, that he has come to literally to screw them all up and throw them away because he has realized that it's not in our strength, but it's in our weaknesses that God's power has been revealed. And he's hoping by explaining it this way, they will finally listen to him. So this is his case. Let's read together in 2 Corinthians chapter 11, starting in verse 21. He says these words, whatever anyone else dares to boast about, talking about the false teachers, super apostles, they're, they're boasting how impressive they are. Whatever anyone else dares to boast about, I'm speaking as a fool. In other words, I can't believe I'm gonna say what I'm gonna say, but I'm gonna say it. He said, I also dare to boast about these things. So whatever they say about themselves, these false teachers, I can say that about myself as well. And then he goes on with a list of examples. He says, verse 22, are they Hebrews? So am I. Are they Israelites? So am I. Listing off their religious credentials. Are they Abraham's descendants? So am I. Are they servants of Christ? And then he adds this, I am out of my mind to talk like this. In other words, this is so unlike Paul to talk in this way because his whole approach to ministry and to making a difference in the world has been not to elevate himself, but to elevate Jesus. That has been his whole approach. And then he continues in chapter 12, 
verse 1 with these words. He said, this boasting will do no good, but I must go on. I will reluctantly tell about visions and revelations from the Lord. I was caught up to the third heaven 14 years ago. And whether I was in my body or out of my body, I don't know. Only God knows. Yes, only God knows whether I was in my body or outside my body. But I do know that I was caught up to paradise and heard things so astounding that they cannot be expressed in words. Things no human is allowed to tell. That experience is worth boasting about. Then he says these words, but I am not going to do it. So Paul had this amazing spiritual experience 14 years ago, being caught up in the third heaven. You might be wondering, what is this third heaven that Paul is talking about here? Well, it was common to speak of three heavens. The first heaven being the earth's atmosphere. Um, The heavens referring to the sky. And the second heaven is, is the heavenly host, space beyond the atmosphere where the sun, the moon and the stars are. And the third heaven is, is actually heaven itself where God dwelt. Paradise, as Paul will go on to describe it later on in this section. So Paul here is referring to this amazing vision of heaven that he had experienced just like the apostle John had. And it was this incredible, ecstatic spiritual experience um, that, was, that was tremendous, that impacted him deeply, that he finds hard to explain in words. But he is so reluctant to talk about this experience. It seems to be the first time he has spoken about this experience in 14 years. Now, I don't know about you, but if, if I had an experience like that, I want to tell you, I'll be finding it very hard to keep that to myself. I reckon you'd be hearing about it next Sunday. I'd be sharing about it. I'd probably preach on that, um, what happened there. I might even write a book, I reckon, about it. You know, how I experienced the third heaven, why God chose me and not you. I don't know. I might be, you know, putting it out there. But Paul, we see here, Paul says, I'm not going to boast, going to boast about that. Instead, Paul says in verse 5, I will boast only about my weaknesses, only about my weaknesses. And again, the Corinthians would have heard this and said, Paul, what are you talking about? Why are you talking like this? And the reality is, is that Paul had a very impressive resume. He did. He was educated under Gamaliel, which was the leading theological training school of the day. He was incredibly bright and intelligent. He has all the right credentials, the right pedigree. He was a Hebrew of Hebrews. And Paul knows it would have been so easy for him to be proud. It would have been so easy for him to rely on his own strength, to put his confidence in his strength. And so he goes on to talk about the fact that God had given him a thorn in the flesh, a weakness, so that he could be dependent upon God. This is what he says in verse 7. He says, So to keep me from becoming proud, I was given a thorn in my flesh, a messenger from Satan to torment me and keep me from becoming proud. Three times I begged the Lord to take it away and each time he said, my grace is all you need. My power works best in weaknesses. So now I'm glad to boast about my weaknesses so that the power of Christ can work through me. Now there's a lot of discussion around what is this thorn in the flesh that Paul experienced and the three, the, the, all the different views sort of fall into three main categories. The first category is that this thorn in the flesh that Paul experienced was some sort of physical ailment that Paul had that limited him greatly, this physical ailment. The second category is that it was some sort of temptation that Paul wrestled with. 
And the third view is that it was the opposition and the persecution that he continually faced, either from these false teachers or from others as well, that he had to deal with. But the fact that Paul doesn't specify exactly what this thorn in the flesh was has actually been a blessing to believers across the ages because it enables us to put our own weakness, our own struggle, our own challenge in that place, whatever it might be for us. But what we do know is that this thorn was no small matter for Paul. This was, this was big. It wasn't just some small issue. It was, it was massive for Paul because he begged. We read there, he didn't just ask God to take it away. He begged the Lord to take it away. It was really impacting him deeply. And not only that, we know what the purpose of the thorn in the flesh was. He tells us it was to keep him from becoming proud. That is why God allowed this. And secondly, we, we see that he was given this thorn in the flesh so that the power of Christ would rest on him, is how Paul describes it. And notice that it's not God's power works despite our weakness, that yes, we're weak, but God works around that still because he's so good. No, that's not what it says. It says God's power is made perfect in our weakness. Do you see how significant that is? It's not that he works despite our weakness, but actually in and through our very weaknesses. It's in and through our very weaknesses that the power of God is revealed. He uses our infirmities. He uses our struggles, our trials, our weaknesses to reveal his power. This is how God works. Corrie ten Boom is best known as the author of The Hiding Place, where she tells the account of her experience of being in a German concentration camp powerful story, but she wrote another book, less well-known, titled Tramp for the Lord. And in this book, she told about a woman she had met in Russia during the Cold War uh, when Christians were being persecuted and how this experience impacted her deeply. She says this, she said, this old woman that I came to visit was reclining on a sofa. Multiple sclerosis had done quite a job on this woman. Her body was twisted in every direction and she depended on pillows to prop her up. She had no mobility, so her husband's time was consumed by her care. The index finger of her right hand was all that she could control, nothing else but all oh, what she did with that one finger. It moved across a typewriter all day and late into the night, tapping out words and sentences and paragraphs as she translated the Bible and other Christian books into her Russian language. And then Corrie ten Boom happened to visit her this day and she looked, she says she looked at this twisted skeletal frame on the sofa of this woman and she said just compassion overcame me she, she was literally heartbroken she prayed lord why don't you heal this poor woman lord why don't you relieve her of this 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 limitation and the husband could see how deeply moved Corrie ten boom was and he said to Corrie, he said god has a purpose in her sickness he said, every other Christian in this city is watched closely by the secret police, but because she has been so sick for so long, no one looks in on her. They leave us alone. And she is the only person who can translate undetected by the police. It's inaccurate to say that God worked despite her weaknesses, Corrie says. The truth is that he was glorified through her weakness in a powerful way. She says, you'd feel sorry for that woman just as I would, but the very thing we'd wish and pray away, the very thing apparently destroying her life, this prickly thorn causing so much pain was a holy place that allowed a very weak woman to become a pillar of strength in God's kingdom. 
You see, God's power is made perfect in weakness, in our weakness. We see this same principle in the Old Testament, the example of Moses in many places across the Old Testament, but one is the example of Moses. When God called Moses at the burning bush to lead his people out of Egypt, he asked Moses, what's that in your hand? And Moses was holding on to a shepherd's staff, which symbolized everything that had gone wrong in his life. He started life, Moses started life in Pharaoh's household, close to the powerful, close to the influential, but now he was in the desert looking after his father-in-law's sheep. And later in Moses' life, in his moments of great triumph, what did Moses use? It was his shepherd's staff, wasn't it? He used it before Pharaoh to demonstrate the power of God. He held it over the Red Sea and watched the waters part and his nation walk on dry ground. He held it high above the battle as his nation won. And I wanna ask you this morning, is it possible? Is it possible that something in your life which you see as a weakness or that you see as a loss could actually be what God wants to use most in your future? Could that be possible just like Moses? Because the reality is, is that God's power is made perfect in weakness, that his grace is sufficient for you. And then Paul continues with these words in verse 10. He says, that's why for Christ's sake, I delight in weaknesses, in insults, in hardships, in persecutions and difficulties. For when I am weak, then, then I am strong. Paul says that he delights in his weakness, that he gives thanks his weakness. And I actually titled this message today, Giving Thanks for Our Weaknesses, on our Thanksgiving Sunday. Giving thanks for our weaknesses. I don't know too many people who delight in weaknesses. I don't know too many people who give thanks for the hardships they are experiencing. But he says, Paul says here, I am thankful for these things. Why? Why is he thankful? Because he has come to realize that you are never in a better, experience, better position to experience the grace of God when you, until you realize that you don't have what it takes Never have you been in a better position to experience the grace of God. Back in chapter one of 2 Corinthians, Paul puts it like this. He says, we were under enormous pressure. We felt overwhelmed and like giving up. But he says, and this is the message paraphrase, is how Eugene Peterson puts it. He says, but as it turned out, it was the best thing that could have happened. Instead of trusting in our own strength or our own wits to get out of it, we were forced to trust God totally. And then he says, not a bad idea, since he's the God who raises the dead. <laughs> Don't you love the way Eugene puts that there? But it's true, you're never in a better position to experience God's grace than the moment that you realize that you don't have what it takes. And today is our Thanksgiving Sunday, and each year we set aside a day just to look back and to give thanks to God for the many blessings he has poured out upon us. But as I was thinking back on this year, I was thinking, it has been such a different year this year, hasn't it? It's been described by some people in the media as the year that God forgot. So many people are talking about the fact they can't wait to get 2020 behind us. And the reason for that is it's been a year full of enormous challenges, so much uncertainty, health challenges, economic and employment uncertainty for so many, a lot of insecurity there, the social isolation pressures that have come, family members not being able to attend funerals, separation of loved ones, elderly people being isolated. There's been so many challenges on so many levels. It's been an incredibly difficult year. For us as a church, it's been a year of many challenges. Who would have ever thought that we wouldn't be able to meet together? Who would have thought that we'd have to cancel all of our regular programs and be limited in so many ways? 
And it's been an enormously challenging time for many churches, not just for us as a church. It's been a very challenging time. It's been a time of weakness. This year has it's been a time of weakness and challenges and, and difficulties. And yet in the midst of these challenges, I want to tell you that God has been moving in powerful ways through his church. Not just this church, but through his church. There are stories I'm hearing all over the place how God has worked powerfully in this season. In so many ways, he's been using this time of weakness to reveal his power and his strength and his glory. And as for us as a church, as we look back on Thanksgiving Sunday, we look back over this year, we can see this so clearly, how God has been moving in powerful ways. And I want to list just a few of them for us this morning on Thanksgiving Sunday. And nearly, as I was thinking through this, nearly all of these happened as a direct result of the challenges that came to us because of COVID. Let me list a few. The first is this, that God has enabled us to commence live streaming of our services, reaching more people than ever before. Second one is this, that we launched the family services. Um, the Bridge Kids team jumped in and done an amazing job there as a way to minister to kids and families in this season, as well as a way to fit more people in with the limitations we had. And you know, out of that, that there has been so many new families that have linked in over there in that family service and deep friendships and connections that have been built there. There's so much momentum. We don't want to lose that, in fact, as we head back into to regular meeting again. In the midst of this season, we also launched our G'day Saturday online classes. We've been seeing people link in from all the nations around the world. It's been incredible the way that the reach of that has been expanded with no limits. And not only that, people staying on regularly after the classes because they want to talk about Jesus. Praise God. We launched our Alpha course online because we couldn't get, gather together. And so we thought, well, we're going to give this a try, re release this for the first time. And the response has been amazing. And we have actually seen a growth in our Alpha course attendees during this season. How incredible is that? We've been able to launch the new op shop and the community hub as we seek to share the love of God with our community, help people in need in this COVID time and the many struggles and challenges people have. And we're able to save a lot of money on the development up there thanks to the help of so many volunteers who are able to give their time. We're able to send out 6,000 hampers. You remember when COVID hit, we said, okay, we're gonna do something and we launched out in faith. And now, all these months later, over 6,000 hampers went out. I would, if you'd asked me at the start, I would have said, there's no way we could do 6,000 hampers. And yet God has helped us and, and has been blessing the people, the needs of people across our community and our city. And through those hampers, God has opened so many opportunities for us. In, in places where the door was closed, the door is now open because of those hampers. Praise God. We stepped forward in faith with the purchase of our city venue as God led us and witnessed us. And again, it seemed crazy in this time in which we're in, and yet we wanted to follow God, God's leading. And the response has been amazing. Last week, we reached 60% of our appeal target. $360,000 has now come in, which is a phenomenal response. Thanks to the generosity and sacrificial givings of so many. In fact, just on the end of this week, I received news after we'd released the bulletin that even since that amount, another gift of $30,000 has just been received. So we are now at 390000 Praise God, church. God is so good. In this season, we commissioned a live-in missionary, moved in to student accommodation in the student block just a, just a couple of doors down from our city service venue to reach out to the students and to bless them in a season where those students have been impacted so deeply with all that's been taking place with COVID. And then despite all the financial uncertainty of this season, God has continued to provide everything we need and more. He's been so faithful to us. And finally, people have continued to come to faith in Jesus. 
Did you know the research shows that because of COVID that prayer is at its highest level than ever? They measure this. They research this. More than ever, people are praying and seeking God. And we have seen this take place. We have seen more people continually experience the life-transforming power of God's saving grace and his love and forgiveness. And these are just a few of the many reasons. I could give more today. I want to tell you that, church. But as I look at this list, I can't help but resonate with this truth. As God speaks here, that his grace is sufficient, that his power is made perfect in weakness. And church, I think it is right on our Thanksgiving Sunday that we praise God for his blessings to us, that we turn it all back to praise to him. So I think we should put our hands together and thank him for all his blessings on this Thanksgiving Sunday. God is good. He's incredible. You know, this truth isn't just a reality for us corporately in this season, but it's actually been the testimony of so many across our church family, individually. And there's lots of fantastic stories I've heard about this. People who have experienced the strength and the power of God in their time of greatest weakness. Just last Sunday, somebody in this church sent me this very moving message. He wrote this. He said, I want to share with you a special milestone. On Friday, I celebrated 20 years of sobriety, a real battle over body, craving, and mind obsession, and a battle that still rears its head from time to time. No matter how hard I tried, I could not stop drinking myself. It had me in its grip, and no pleas from family or any reason could break these chains. And yet God could and did when I fell to my knees and called out to him. One day at a time, those days have added up. But this message is really not about me. Rather, all thanks and honour goes to God. He has healed my heart and made me whole. He has revealed to me his unending love and forgiveness. He has shown me so many miracles. He has always heard my cries and blessed me with what I need. I was reborn in him. I was given a new life to treasure one day at a time. He has blessed me with a loving wife, the joy of three wonderful children, a band of brothers that I can truly be myself with, and a community in which to grow and worship our Father in. Are these not riches? Exclamation mark. I am so, so grateful to our God for all these blessings. So today I want to publicly give thanks to God, he writes to acknowledge that all, capital letters, all that I am is because God stepped in and did for me what I could not do for myself. I need him like the air that I breathe, for I am but a broken shell otherwise. All glory to him. How powerful is that church? Isn't that amazing? Incredible truth. You see, it's true. I want you to hear the testimonies of this this morning. It's true. His grace is sufficient for you. His power is made perfect in weakness. And nowhere do we see this spiritual principle more clearly than we look to the cross of Christ. The cross for Paul, the cross is the foundation of his theology of weakness. It's the foundation of his entire case, this argument in this, this, this letter to Corinthians. Remember in verse eight, Paul prays three times for the Lord to take away the thorn in his flesh. Well, there is another person in the scripture who prayed three times asking God to take away the cup of suffering and that person was Jesus in the garden of Gethsemane, wasn't it? He prayed three times. He said, Lord, take this cup from me. 
Yet not my will, but yours be done. And in both occasions, God did not answer the prayer in the way that was asked, but instead his reply was, my grace is sufficient for you. My grace is sufficient for you, for my power is going to be made perfect in weakness. Without a doubt, the cross of Christ is a supreme example of power in weakness. In what appeared to be Jesus' weakest moment, as he was hanging naked, humiliated, dying on that cross. Talk about weakness. Well, actually, that was going to be the moment, that was the moment of greatest victory, the ultimate demonstration of God's power in weakness, God's resurrection power conquering Satan and sin and death forever. Praise God. It's the cross and the resurrection that for Paul is the ultimate proof, the ultimate revelation, the ultimate assurance of this truth that his power is made perfect in weakness that when I am weak, then I am strong. And this week has been one of great sadness for us as a church family on the passing of Pastor Trisha's husband, Mark. It's been one of those really sad weeks, really difficult week. And we are praying in a very special way for Pastor Trish, for other family members of Mark as well at this time. But I want to read to you what Trish sent in a message, not long, just a few hours after Mark passed. This is what she wrote. She said, in true Mark's style, he was faith-filled and convinced that either God would heal him or he would take him home, and either way, he was winning. Today, he experienced his favorite verse in reality. So he returned home to his father, and while he was still a long way off, his father saw him coming, and filled with love and compassion, he ran to his son, embraced him, and kissed him, Luke 15, 20. He was so thankful for your, pre your presence in our lives and for your perseverance in prayer for us. Aren't they powerful words of truth and assurance? And, and as I said, we're praying for this. And, and in the midst of the sadness that we experience, we are also giving much thanks to God. We are. We're giving thanks to God for the eternal assurance that Mark is safe in the arms of his Savior this morning, that he is more alive than ever that he is with the one that he lived for above all else and that his passion, his commitment to the gospel, the lives that he impacted, the impact of that is gonna flow on for, for generations to come. They will, it will. But do you hear what Mark knew, what Trish said? She said this, he said that Mark was faith-filled and convinced that either God would heal him or he would take him home and either way he was winning. And what Mark knew with all his heart is that if we are in Christ, our weakest moment, that moment when we take our last breath, when we pass from this world into the next, if we are in Christ, if we have come to him in repentance and faith, placed our faith and trust in Jesus, then that moment actually becomes the moment of greatest victory and blessing, the ultimate demonstration of God's power, because we will in that moment see our Savior face to face and be more alive than ever in his presence. And the worst thing that can happen to us is actually the best in that moment. And why did Mark know this so well? Well, because he knew the reality of the death and resurrection of Jesus on the cross, that in his weakness, the resurrection power of God was revealed, overcoming sin and death, so that we can know the promise and the assurance of eternal life in him. Praise God for this truth. 
And so as we close this morning, I want to ask you, how, how do you feel about your weakness this morning? How are you feeling about some of the trials and challenges and struggles that you are in the midst of? Do you despise your weakness? Maybe you're even angry at God this morning because of what you are going through, because of the weaknesses that you are experiencing. You're saying to God, why am I so weak? God, why won't you take this from me? Why have you given me these limitations? Why? Why have you burdened me in this way? Or maybe you're here this morning and you, you find yourself continually comparing yourself to others, wishing you had their gifts, wishing you had their life, envying others, wishing that you had what they had, wishing you were more gifted in those ways. Is that how you feel about some of the weaknesses and struggles you have at the moment? Or have you been trying to hide your weaknesses, wanting to make yourself out to be more capable than you really are, more together rather than acknowledging your weaknesses before God and before others. Maybe you're trying to overcompensate for your weaknesses because you know too well the weaknesses in your life. And so you're trying really hard in other areas of your life, other areas you're trying really hard to excel in, to try and overcompensate for that, to try and prove your value or your worth and it's leading you to an unhealthy way of living or working this morning and God is saying, I just want you to come, surrender your weakness to me, bring it to me. Or maybe you're here this morning and you feel unworthy because of your area of weakness. You actually feel guilt and shame about the struggles and challenges that you are going through at the moment. Or maybe you're going through a challenging season with a lot of pressures and trials, a lot of uncertainty. Your world has been turned upside down and this morning as you come, you just feel overwhelmed and you feel weak. Well, if any of these are you this morning, I want you to hear God's word to you. God says to you this morning, if that's you, God says to you this morning, don't give up. Don't give up. Because that is the very place, the place of weakness, where the divine power of God will uphold you. If you will believe in Him, if you will call out to Him, if you will surrender, bring that weakness to God afresh this morning. And trust in Him in total dependence. So if God is speaking this morning, I want to encourage you to to respond to His Word to you. To give your weakness to God. Depend afresh on Him. I'm actually going to give us an opportunity to boast this morning, in fact. I never thought I would say that from the pulpit, but I'm telling you this morning, church, I'm going to give you an opportunity to boast. To boast in your weakness as we respond. And the reason I want to give you that opportunity is because as we boast, Paul says... He says in that word that as we boast in our weakness, we do that so that Christ's power might rest on us. And so in a moment, the band are going to come and sing this song. And down the front here, we have some tables. And on it are these pieces of clay pot. And these little pieces actually represent our weaknesses, the trials, the challenges that we're experiencing right now, whatever that might be for you. And as the band sing this song, I want to invite you to come and to take one of these pieces of clay pot. Remember what Paul said in in Corinthians. He says, but we have this treasure in jars of clay to show that this all-surpassing power is from God and not from us. 
And so I want you to use this opportunity to come and take these broken pieces of clay, clay jar and to take it and hold it in your hand as you come down the front. And as you do that, you're actually saying, God, I'm surrendering this weakness to you afresh. As you hold, come forward this morning, you're boasting in that weakness before God and others saying, God, I'm weak. And as you do that, the power of Christ will rest on you. Paul says that. The power of Christ will rest on you afresh as you come. And so I want to invite you to take this opportunity. And and as you do that as well, you're actually giving thanks to God for your weakness this morning on our Thanksgiving Sunday. Saying, thank you, God. Thank you, God, for this weakness. It keeps me dependent upon you. It keeps me humble. keeps me reliant upon you, great God. And so we're going to have an opportunity to do that. And I want to say thanks to Carly Oldham. I had this response idea from Carly who spoke recently at our Inspire service. If you want an example of strength in weakness, Carly has a powerful, powerful testimony. In fact, I encourage you to to jump online and hear her message that she shared there. But I want to say thanks to Carly for this response idea, an opportunity for us to respond to God in this moment. What are you saying to us? Let me pray as we come to do that. Heavenly Father, we thank you again for your word to us this morning. And Lord, my prayer today, great God, on this Thanksgiving Sunday is that we come before you as your people and we say thank you, Lord. Thank you that you have been doing this among us, Lord, in this season of many challenges and trials and weakness. You have been revealing your power, great God. And we just want to turn that all back to praise to you today. Thank you for all the things you've done. G'day Saturday online, Alpha Courses online, live streaming, the op shop, Lord. So many things you have done, Lord, revealing your power in the midst of weakness. This morning, I want to pray for some here this morning who have come weighed down, burdened by the weaknesses of this life. Maybe some feeling shame, guilt, or because of the weaknesses that their struggles they're dealing with. Well, Lord, this morning, I pray that as we respond to you now, as we, Lord, surrender these weaknesses afresh to you, as we boast in our weaknesses this morning, that your power will rest afresh upon us, great God. And as we give thanks, Lord, that more of your power will be revealed, less of us, more of you, great God. We long for more of your power, Lord. We long for more of your glory to be revealed. And so, Lord, we respond in these moments to you now. In Jesus' name, amen. Why don't we stand together? You can come, take that clay as you hold it in your hand, piece of clay. You can just pray a little prayer saying, God, I surrender this to you. And then put it in the containers at the front there and just leave it at the front. And then you can return to your seat. But let's stand together as we respond in worship. You feel free to come as we worship now. Oh, Lord, we thank you for the truth of the words that we've just sung there, Lord. That it's true that you, you take all the broken pieces of our life, Lord, and you, you mesh them all together. You make us whole again, great God. And Lord, through through this, Lord, you reveal your great love, your great power made available for all. And so, Lord, we thank you again, Lord, for all the blessings you poured out upon us, Lord. And I pray, Lord, my prayer now is that you would come by the Holy Spirit, that your power would rest on each and every one of us, I pray. And Lord, again, we just want to lift up Pastor Trish to you this morning, Lord. We want to pray that you surround her with your love and your comfort, Lord. And for us as a church family and other communities too, Lord, the Mueller College community, Creekside Church, Lord, we are praying this time of sadness, we would be so aware of your nearness, your presence, Lord, and the assurance, the hope that we have in you, Lord, that Mark is with you, that he is more alive than ever, Lord. And I wanna pray over that service on Saturday. I wanna pray, Lord, that as the good news of the Gospel is declared, that even more lives will be impacted through Mark's testimony, through Mark's witness, I pray, as we commit that service to You. May it be so full of Your presence and the power of Your Holy Spirit, we pray. But Lord, we thank You. We thank You for the blessing 
of being in You this morning, for knowing these truths, Lord God. And so, Lord, we surrender ourselves afresh to You, Lord. And our prayer is that, Lord, in our weakness, Lord, You would be lifted higher than ever before, that others would see, others would know the hope that is found in You alone, Lord God. That is our prayer. And so we pray this now in Jesus' mighty and powerful Name. Everyone said? Church, I think we should put our hands together one more time just to give thanks to God this morning. He is so good. He is so faithful. You can be seated. If you'd like prayer in some way, if you're watching online, make sure you link in, email into us at prayer at bridgeman.org.au. We can help you and pray for you. If you want prayer this morning here as well, we'd love to pray for this morning. But God bless you. And just a reminder, we're exiting out through the side doors as well. God bless you.